Hi, I'm Brent Stafford, and this is RegWatch by RegulatorWatch.com, and I'm joined here with somebody who needs no introduction, is Dr. Mark Tyndall. Mark, how are you? Good, Brent. So I wanted to bring you on. We're going to do probably a bit of a shorter episode here because there's no point to like drag this conversation out too much. It's very specific. What's going on with Health Canada and the flavor ban in your mind? Well, um, they've made it clear that uh, this is a, a major consideration that they're doing right now, uh, but it's just a bit of a black box when the, uh, when the decision will come down. So um, I think they've taken you know, they've taken time to, to get uh, input and feedback from this. It's, it's clear that uh, the um, people who vape have uh, had a campaign to try to, uh, you know, influence Health Canada and say how important flavors are, but they're up against a, a very tough uh, uh, pushback and that the still, the narrative is that uh, youth vaping is still a big concern in Canada and that uh, the reason youth vape is because of flavors and uh, that there'll be a huge uh, pressure on the government to come down with uh, flavor restrictions, I think. Um, but it's, it's unclear what's, what's going to happen or even when the time frame is. So uh, it, it could happen in the next couple of weeks. It could happen in, in two years. I, I, I don't know. Um, the other you know, Health Canada obviously will have quite a bit of influence, but the other possibility is they could leave some of it up to provinces. And uh, provinces have already shown that they have a, a, a big appetite for prohibition and clamping down on flavors. So um, even if Health Canada came out uh, not, you know, not, not hard and fast about uh, flavors and left it up to the provinces, I think uh, most provinces have shown that. Uh, they've really accepted this idea that flavors uh, help promote vaping to youth and that uh, they, they're bad. Um, and that goes against everything that people know about uh, uh, adults who have transitioned to, uh, to vaping, where flavors are 90% of what people use. Um, they're one of the major motivations for people trying vaping in the first place. Uh, people enjoy the flavors. Um, so it's, it's really a problematic that we're still focused so much on the impact of uh, flavors on youth and uh, forgetting about all the, all the smokers who could really benefit from, uh, or enjoy, you know, it even gets into this idea, well, why do we want people to have flavors if they enjoy it? That's, we don't, you know, people should not be enjoying this. They should, <laughs> they should be, you know, we're okay with you using a safer product, but they should still be like, feeling guilty and not enjoying the experience, you know, is kind of the, uh, the public health thing. So we have to, you know, we're battling against that, that uh, people should be, have the freedom to enjoy their vaping, you know, and should have, should have the, uh, have the opportunity to uh, use flavors. Um, and the other massive downside of that is that since people do value flavors, they will continue to use flavors and that will happen have to happen then in an unregulated manner. So people will learn how to make their own people, other underground operations will come up. People will find ways to do it because vaping's not illegal. Uh, people probably won't be that afraid of doing it. Like the, uh, probably the penalty to do that won't be great. We don't, we're not going to fill our jails with people who are making flavored vape. So, um, I think it could just turn into a total uh, gong show as far as uh, what 
people are actually getting and using. And then it brings up the idea of a valley, which is kind of the, the ultimate um, bad downside of prohibition. You could imagine that, you know, a, a whole, uh, a whole shipment of adulterated flavored vape could get out there and a lot of people get sick. Like it, it, it just makes no the downside of uh, prohibiting these things is, uh, is just so predictable. Um, but we're, you know, usually we don't think about the unintended consequences of uh, prohibition. Well, that's uh, surprising because the people that, the professionals that should know the most about this are Health Canada, right? They, Health Canada are the experts. And so when it comes to exploding the black market and so forth, they should understand that this is an exact consequence of a prohibition. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, uh, yeah, that, that's, that is very difficult, uh, concept in, uh, in public health. Cause it's so, you know, much like just abstinence based approach to cigarettes. Well, okay. It, it can work for a few people. Um, and, uh, but the lost, the missed opportunity and the, uh, you know, the, the, these unintended consequences of people continuing to smoke or people using, uh, unregulated products is just so predictable it happens all the time with everything we do and uh but i don't think health canada or provinces or public health people have really learned that lesson very well so if i'm to understand uh your position here correctly now we're we're shooting this interview a couple of weeks before we're airing so is there any reason why we should expect that by then that something would change or am i to understand that based on your understanding a flavor ban is still likely. I think it's likely it might be punted down the road a little bit. I mean, you know, almost all public health right now focuses around COVID. So, I mean, there is a lot of, uh, a lot of noise out there. And uh, I think vaping on the whole has kind of, you know, kind of gone a little bit quiet uh, in the last uh, six months or so. And so I don't know, but um the government is committed to making some announcement around flavors. And uh, I, it's just un, unclear whether they'll punt it down the road for a few more months or whether by February they'll come out with some statement. Um, and I, I would predict they'd leave some flexibility, wouldn't come out with a total flavor ban, but would leave a lot of discretion up to the provinces. And then that would be uh, another uh, whole disaster like because the provinces i think will um always err on protecting our youth and um or they think they're protecting their our youth and then um they, they will ban flavors so let me ask you in in health canada's regulatory impact analysis um of the proposed flavor ban they pretty much outright said that you know they expect that there will be a certain percentage and it's not small of current vapors who won't make that switch to the disgusting flavors and will end up going back to smoking. How is that possible that Health Canada could even admit that? Yeah, no, I, I just think it's, uh, it's back, the way they justify that is back to, well, if there wasn't vaping, then they should quit anyways. Like it's just not, you know, it's, it's still back to uh, the status quo. Um, Cigarettes are bad. We know people can stop if they want to. Um, so why don't they just stop? So I, I don't even think they're that. Yeah, they, they won't. In public opinion, if we showed that, you know, 20% of people who went back, went back to smoking, I, 
I don't think there'd be a huge backlash. I think people just kind of shrug their shoulders. Well, they shouldn't have been vaping in the first place. So now they're smoking again. You know, they were smoking anyway. So I, it's really, you know, I'm being obviously, uh, bla, you know, overly blase, but I think that's kind of the shrudging shoulders that would happen at Health Canada. They're not really responsible for that. Um, you know, um, people want to do that. But I do think that the other bad unintended consequences were, where those 20% of people uh, will find ways to get flavors. They, they will, they will uh, find that uh, um, unregulated products or make their own. And um, why wouldn't they? I mean, it's pretty easy to make flavors. There's no, there's nothing magical about it, but I think in a, it can go wrong though. Like you can, like we, don't, you know, the whole idea is that we don't want people uh, mixing up their own stuff. We need to uh, have some regulation there or, uh, or things will go wrong. I, I mean, I think you're right, Dr. Tyndall, with regard to that base thing. Well, if 20% of vapors don't make the switch over to the disgusting uh, tobacco flavors and they go back to smoking, like you said, they were already smoking in the first place. So it gets them back to status quo. And now we'll just harp yeah. on them to quit. Yeah, no, I think that's the way they justify it. But you, you just think anything else, though, any other health issue like that, if people were doing something that's very damaging to their health, switch to something that wasn't damaging to their health and then switch back again. I mean, people would have a fit, but, the, but in smoking, we just, you know, we are just so blase and just accepted that. So we wouldn't do that with any other substance, but, um, or any other. Yeah. But if somehow tobacco, uh, our public health can get away with that and people just shrug. Well, I, I do think that uh, Health Canada has tried to walk sort of a, a, a I mean, the, the official statements and the official website acknowledges that vaping is safer than cigarette smoking, um, which I think is important and probably further than a lot of countries have gone. So I think that's, that's good. Um, but then uh, not to, you know, not to, uh, commit to uh, trying to get people to use to vape then. So if it is safer, you think it will save lives, save healthcare dollars, then uh, it only makes sense that you come up with policies that would try to encourage people to, uh, to get off cigarettes through vaping. And uh, so it's, it's, it's a, just a little bit incongruous to make that statement and then say, oh, by the way, we're going to do everything we can to, uh, uh, disincentivize vaping and uh, make it harder for people and uh, and tax it the same and all these things that they could be doing to uh, make it more attractive. Uh, they're not. They're doing everything they can to uh, make it less attractive and uh, and allowing the uh, uh, the misinformation that uh, is pervasive that uh, you might as well smoke because we don't know vaping's probably just as bad for you. So. Uh, who cares? And that's just so wrong. <laughs> so, Dr. Tyndall, one of the things that seems to be the case in Health Canada's analysis of the flavor ban is, is the assumption that um, a teen will start vaping nicotine and then will move to smoking cigarettes and then become ill with smoking-related illness and die and thus have a cost. Uh, to society. And so the cost benefit analysis of the flavor ban is preventing that death 40 years down the road from the start vaping, vaping leads to smoking, smoking leads to illness and death. Yeah, 
Well, I think that's a narrative that's very popular. And uh, that's what the what parents have been told. And uh, that's what youth have been told. There's really no evidence that that happens. I mean, uh, kids will try stuff. Um, and uh, the, the, and probably it's, uh, it is more attractive to to try a, a flavored bait than it is for to try a cigarette. I mean, who, who wouldn't? <laughs> so, um, but that, but there's just no evidence that that person will go on to, uh, to use these uh, vapes for a few weeks and then say, Oh, well, you know what? I'd really like a bigger hit of nicotine. Maybe cigarettes would be really good for me to do. I mean, that just isn't the way people think. And they, the cigarettes are still, stigmatized and vilified um, and people are not wanting to do it. And uh, so I think that all these, uh, you know, statistics that are out there about the number of youth uh, trying vaping are, are real. I mean, a lot of youth will try vaping, but the uh, six months or a year later, they're not used doing it anymore and they're not smoking. Like, I mean, we, we have that data, the smoking rates in youth are going down as we expect that they would. So if vape youth, the youth vaping crisis has been around long enough now that uh, I guess we'd see increased youth smoking if people, if that's how they started. And clearly we're not doing, seeing any of that. So it's, uh, it's been a lot of moral panic around uh, the youth. Um, and it, it just hasn't played out the way that uh, the scenario that you just uh, outlined has. And there will be people who end up smoking, some youth will end up smoking for sure. And whether they tried vaping first or not, I mean, that, that it's, it's, it, but it, it, it's not a gateway. The, 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 the good thing about vaping is if, if kids try a nicotine product, uh, we'd rather them try a vape than we would cigarettes anyway. So um, I, I think they, they serve a purpose that way. And the other thing we haven't touched on is, uh, is how, uh, this is really a class struggle. This is a socioeconomic problem that, again, when I say that people aren't being listened to who, uh, who are smokers because of stigma, it's also socioeconomic. It's by far people who start smoking now or people who continue to smoke um, are least able to afford to do it from a socioeconomic point of view. And uh, so they, again, it's a, uh, it's really a class struggle. And again, that's why the voices of people who, uh, who smoke are often not listened to because they, they, they just are not prominent enough. And uh, they, you know, it's just not a, it, it, you know, it, it just goes along with being poor and poverty and you know, all these other things that we uh, kind of mash in there. And uh, it's really says, you know, a lot of bad things about our society when we really don't care about uh, about people who are uh, worse off than us. It's been three, maybe four years since we first met and started uh, doing some coverage with you. Have you lost uh, some respect for colleagues in public health? I mean, I try to keep, you know, I, I have to work, work in this area. I mean, I, I don't, uh, you know, this stage of my career, I don't, I, don't, I don't really care as much about what people think, but the, uh, yeah, I think there should have been a bit more movement. You know, it just been, I think it just more entrenched thinking. It, it hasn't really progressed very well. I think, you know, when I think about what I was up against when I first came up, you know, when I first started uh, thinking about this. 
you would think there'd be some movement, but it's been so slow. And uh, so, yeah, it, it is frustrating, uh, uh, to be honest. Um, and, you know, my other thing I'm involved in is the overdose crisis. Again, you know, banging my head against the wall for six years of people just dying. I mean, it, it really, um, yeah, public health is, is, is just a very uh, slow moving thing. And, uh, not really open to innovation or change very much and um there's just so many um with cigarettes especially there is a lot of uh undeclared vested interest in not doing anything like there's a lot of people that are doing fine from the status quo you know um people are you know uh doctors are still uh making money on treating people with with uh, tobacco related illnesses and the governments are getting tons of money from uh all their ta- all the tax revenue from cigarettes um you know there's there's just not you know uh, the people that are really suffering are the people that are currently smoking or are going to eventually could die from a smoking related illness and um their voices just aren't aren't that that heard and since it's such a stigmatized thing in the first place it's very hard to be an advocate it's very hard to be a pro smoking advocate like who who would who would listen to you? Like like it's not a it's not not a sexy thing. People we we push people down so hard and made them feel so you know worthless and and just such a drag on society. Um, it's just such a stigmatized area that it's really hard for people to get their voices out there and say that you know they totally deserve a safer product. I mean my my. I, I think my constituents are, you know, right from the beginning, they're, they're people who are going to die of cigarettes and they should have an alternative. We have something better to offer them and we're doing everything we can to uh, spread misinformation and make it hard for them to switch. And we should be making it easy as we can for them to switch. And uh, we're, we just have not, uh, not done that.